You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. And they will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Hey, take your seats, and while you're doing that, get your Bibles out, and let's open them up to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, as uh, we look at a message entitled, When Singleness is a God Thing. And so, uh, if you're married, you might be wondering, why a message on singleness? Well, we just did a series on marriage and uh, took care of all the married people for a number of weeks. And the elders and I were talking about this. We uh, thought it was an important time for us to uh, speak and have a message of what God's Word says and principles from God's Word about, about singleness. Um, there are literally hundreds of singles in our church. Do you, you ever think about that? Uh, the reality is on our weekly average attendance is somewhere just north of a thousand people and two, three hundred people in the service are single um, in one form or another. And so this is an important message. It's an important message uh, for the church. But the first question that came to my mind is, who am I to preach this message on singleness? Um, I haven't been single for, well, it's been more than 39 years, so I am way out of practice. And, uh, and yet, you know what? The reality is um, so many of the things that I preach about are not necessarily the things that are happening in my life right now. Um, and um, I could be preaching on giving, and I don't have millions and millions of dollars, and so the person who's there, well, what do you know about the topic? Um, or whatever the topic might be. And the, well, who, here's the reality. The reality of whatever happens in church on any given weekend is not about the one who is proclaiming the message. It, it's about the one who is the giver of the message in the word of God. And so our desire today is that we would hear from God's word on what he has to say about this particular topic. Um, so because of that, I borrowed liberally from all kinds of sources and then asking God to work through his spirit uh, for him to work for his glory. But I've also asked some people in a different way than I normally would ask uh, for them to pray for me this weekend. And, uh, and that's that, first of all, I would have a sensitivity as I preach about something that's not in my wheelhouse. Um, and also that God would give to the hearers the reality of that and the desire to hear what God has to say. So I want to be careful about how we talk about singleness. I don't want to mistreat it. I don't want to be abusive about it. I want to be careful. But I've been asking some people, would you pray for me? Pray for me in this message that we would honor the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth of his word and comfort and help and support and lovingly uh, bring God's word. And so that's what we're going to seek to do today. So you got your Bibles open because that's where we're going to find the source of what we really need to learn. 1 Corinthians 7, let's stand together. We want to honor God as uh, I read from his word. I'm going to start at verse 32. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefits, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. And let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. 
And uh, it speaks into so many areas of our lives. And I pray, God, that as we hear it today, that your spirit would work in our hearts and lives. The words of man aren't really significant here at all. Your word is all sufficient. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, minds, God, to comprehend, and then the faith, God, to live out passionately of what we learn from your word. Lord, there's something in this message for everyone, whether you're married or you are single. But Lord, as we care for and lovingly uh, teach the whole church, the whole counsel of God, uh, do this work for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. I don't miss the title of this message, um, When Singleness is a God Thing. Now, obviously, it's a little bit of a play on words. The first message in the marriage series was marriage is a God thing. Um, But this title was picked on purpose. When singleness is a God thing. Um, If you find yourself and you're single right now, you're not outside of God's will. You're not lesser. You're not, this is God working. And so you need to get that foundation right so you're not sitting there going, well, I guess the church is really for everybody else and it's really about families. No, 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 no. If you're here today and you're single, you need to explore and look and think about how you are positioned in in your walk in Christ to be used for God's glory in the very position that you, you find yourself in. You need to embrace it with all of your heart and allow the outcomes that come from all of this to be uh, from God's word. So I want to dive into some things today. Uh, So let's get right at it. Here's the first thing. The reality, singleness is not a value proposition. A singleness is not a value proposition. So often, I think there are folks in the church who are single for whatever reason. We'll talk about all those a little bit later. But And and the, the question in the back of their mind is, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Here to tell you there's probably absolutely nothing that's wrong with you. Uh, no more. You're, you're no weirder than anybody else in the church. You're no weirder than the person who's married or not married. And you're not necessarily dealing with sin any more or any less than what's wrong with me. Sometimes there's a sense that there's some kind of a curse that's put on us. And here's what I want to tell you. There's no second class Christians. There's no second class Christians. There's no, oh, they're married, so they got it all figured out, and God is for them, and he's just kind of putting up with me. Um, This is not a value proposition. You know, I was reading this week, it was kind of humorous for me, as as, um, this is a little bit of a warning for those of us who are married in the church, and you come up with someone, and you know that they're single, and don't ever say, so are you still single? To the singles in the room, I, think, I would encourage you to answer, well, are you still married? <laughs> kind of a ridiculous question, right? Um, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what Psalm says in Psalm 139 and verse 14. You are not less. It's not less, it's just different. It's not less, it's just different. There are all kinds of illustrations of that in Scripture. Uh, How about this one? Uh, Some people would say, well, the elders are greater than the deacon. No. It's not less, it's just different. The role of men and women. One is not less, it's just different. And singles in the church and married families or married couples in the church, it's, it's never a less thing. It's just a different thing. It's not a value proposition. 
God's not looking down on you as though you somehow are lesser or secondary. As a matter of fact, when you read the text and read the word, there's opportunities and things that you have that the married couple don't have. And and Jesus and Matthew, we're going to see it in a few minutes, he raises this up as an opportunity to be used for the glory of God. This is not a value, a proposition. God doesn't make no junk. He knows every detail about you. The same God who died to save me is the same God who died to redeem you. The same God who keeps me every day and leads us to glory is the same God who who takes care of you to lead you to glory. And so go back and get the foundation of the relationship of Christ right in your salvation and and getting your eyes remembering and fixing every day. You know, I say lots of times, we, we need to live out of the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ every day. The first thing you should do before you get out of bed in the morning is thank the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. Thank him for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Thank you for his amazing gift that he gave you when he came. He lived on this earth. He sacrificed his life. He died on the cross. He paid the price you couldn't pay. He was risen from the dead. He intercedes on the right hand of God. And by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, he intercedes for you every single day. Get get that foundational piece right. It's true for everyone in the room. But for the person who's here and thinking, well, maybe I missed the boat or maybe my ship has sailed. or Get right what Jesus Christ has accomplished for you. You are fearfully made. You are wonderfully made. You are used for the glory of God in your walk with him. This is not, this is not a values proposition. And get the foundation of the work of Jesus Christ, which you received as a gift. Get that as the foundation piece. Well, you know, in all of this discussion, though, that happens around singleness, there's a discussion about uh, the gift of celibacy or singleness, if you want to call it that. It's not called a spiritual gift in the Bible um, because it isn't a spiritual gift in the sense of the ones that are listed in Corinthians or Romans, but every single person in the room at some point had this gift from God. I had it until I was 20 years old. Um, and then I was married. It's the gift of singleness. So we think it's not a spiritual gift. No, it's a wonderful gift that God has given. It's a gift that he gave to you. You ever received a gift and you cherished it and you were thankful for it? That's the kind of gift he's talking about here. And, and so singleness is a gift from God. Some people have a calling of God in their life and they believe that they're going to be uh, single, celibate uh, for the rest of their lives. We had a young man who came to our church for a while. He has uh, since moved away and I remember the day he came into my office and I didn't have a girlfriend and uh, he said, I believe I'm going to be single. God's called me into ministry and I'm going to do my ministry out of my singleness for the rest of my life. I believe that's what God's called me to. I'm not arguing against that. I think there's argument that you can make that argument from Scripture. Uh, the problem was then he met a girl. <laughs> and he lost the gift. <laughs> and he's now married and they have at least one child. And so I think we want to be careful 
how we take those things, and there are people, we're going to see lots of illustrations of, of people who are single, who God is working through and used and all the rest of it, but um, this idea of, of celibacy, this idea of, of single till the Lord returns is, is true, and it, can, it does come from Scripture, but it's not a spiritual gift like you find in Corinthians or you find in Romans. No, but it's a gift. It's a gift that you have. And today, if you are single, whatever kind of single you want to be defined as, understand there's a gift in that that comes from God. And his caring and his loving and all the rest of it uh, goes along with that. You might be single for a time. You might be single for a lifetime of ministry. Um, for some, there's uh, you weren't single and now you're single again for a number of reasons. And you're, you're single from now on. And uh, that's Okay. That's so why God has made it. Embrace the gift that you have uh, during these days. Now, there are two major scriptures that are used to talk about uh, this talk about the gift of celibacy. The first one is in Matthew 19, 9 to 12. It says there, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And the disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. But he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have, have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by man, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And let the one who is able to receive this receive it. And so there are people who will serve and will serve out of their singleness for the glory of God. And that's a calling in their life. But there aren't many like that. I'm not like that, for sure. Um, the, uh, the support and the help and the, the blessing that comes out of having a spouse is huge for me. But, but we read in Corinthians that that divides you. When, when you get married, which is a good thing, all of a sudden there's other things that come along with that. Um, so that's one of the texts. That's um, a gift from the Lord. And then the other text is uh, from 1 Corinthians, the chapter we're in, and verses 7 and 8, and around those verses as well. But those verses say, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God. It's a gift. One of one kind and one for another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it's good for them to remain single as I am. But if they not, cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. And so uh, this is the story of Paul and uh, I actually believe that Paul probably, don't ever make scripture say something it doesn't say, probably had been married. Um, he was part of the Sanhedrin and traditionally, it didn't have to be, but traditionally it was for men who were married. Um, and uh, that was his probable circumstance. But he's now single. So why would he be single? Well, again, a little bit of trajectory. I'm just going to sanctified imagination, as it were. Uh, perhaps when he got saved, that act in his life, and his wife said, I'm, I'm done, and she left. Uh, maybe, maybe she had died. Um, and so he was single. However his singleness happened, whether he was never married or it was through a divorce or through a death, when he's writing 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he's single. And, uh, and so he talks about this gift and, and using this gift and living out of this gift. Um, 
The ability to stay single and serve God apart from marriage is a gift. You know, there's really only two camps as a follower of Jesus Christ who is obedient to God's word. You've got to be in one of two camps. There's the married camp, and then there's the single camp. And both of them, God's word says, are good. And both of them are to be used by the Lord. And so the person in the room today, the people who are here today, and you are single for whatever the circumstances are, you're not on the bench, you're not second class, you are, you're being used by the Lord. It's not a curse, but rather, God says it's a gift and it's a blessing. So if the first thing is it's not a value proposition, the second thing is you're not alone. You're not alone in this. If you just do a little study of Scripture, you will find a, a number, a significant number of people that are front and center in the Word of God that the Bible makes no mention of them being married um, or their situation in marriage had changed. Uh, Jeremiah was being called to a very difficult thing to do. Uh, no reference in Scripture that, that he was married. Um, Ruth, Ruth was married and her husband died. And then she was single and she lived in this singleness and tried to be faithful in what God had placed before her, the gift, the opportunity she had. A Mary and Martha, remember them? A Martha, Martha, that Martha. Um, and her sister Mary. Um, and their brother Lazarus. Nothing in scripture ever talks about them being married. And yet God used them and God worked through them and worked for his glory through them. A John the Baptist came to preach repentance, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Timothy, the young church planter. James and John, the sons of thunder. And probably many of the other disciples. Paul, we've already talked about it. Hey, 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 did you miss it? Jesus. Lots of illustrations. Lots of illustrations in Scripture of people who God worked through significantly to change the world who were single. You're not alone. We're not alone in our church either. We as a church value, cherish very much the, the work of singles in our church. Singles who serve as leaders in small groups. Singles who serve as workers in youth and kids. And, uh, but they're not relegated to, well, yeah, but they're, they're, they're kind of below the surface kind of things. Nobody really ever sees them. No, no, no. Ministry leaders in our church who are single. Because God is working and God is using them. Staff in our church who are single. You know, when we talked about this series, I was talking with two of the guys, and just as I'd done with the marriage series, you know, let's put some pictures up, right? And I decided I'm not putting pictures of singles up before I preach this message. <laughs> but I want you to know that Sam and John both wanted their picture on the screen. <laughs> I said, I don't care how much you want it, I'm not doing it. <laughs> These two young men are being used for the glory of God in our church. And are serving the Lord in their singleness. And I'm thankful to God for that. See, you're not alone. And God works in these circumstances. And he works through them for his glory. You're an essential part of the body. And without your part in the body, the body is incomplete. And so celebrate what God has given you in the gift. It's not lesser. And you're not alone 
and God desires to work through you for his glory. Here's the uh, third thing. The reality in your singleness, um, it's not one size fits all. It's not one size fits all. Some are single by choice. Some are single by design. Some are single by circumstances. You have singles who are in their pre-20s going to university wondering how it's all going to work out in their 20s, finish school, now getting a job in their 30s, uh, in their 40s, in their 70s. It's not a one-size-fits-all. And so when you do a message like this, it's not like you can just encompass and capture everything in one message. So I'm not even really trying to do that. Um, There are people in the room who are single. I would say single so far. So far, um, we're all single at some point. There are some who are single by circumstances. Maybe the right person hasn't come along yet. Um, There are some who are single by conviction. That young man who came into my office really believed this is what God had for him. And the Lord revealed something different to him. But he had a conviction about this. And maybe you have a conviction about that. And and you need to to trust the Lord for it and not worry so much about what other people say. If this is a gift from God, you need to use this gift that comes from God. There are singles because of life's realities. There's some in the room who are single because of divorce. Uh, Not divorce that you wanted or even necessarily went after. And, um, or maybe it was in your sinfulness and you went after and, and now you're single. Um, but see and understand how God will work in this and how God can use this even in your life for his glory. We have music to serenade us while we go on here. Somebody's very embarrassed about their phone right now. So. <laughs> the realities of life. There are single moms, single dads. And there's different reasons why people are single. There's the process of just what's going on in the time. We talked about there's the circumstances, maybe um, because of your age, because of you're moving around a lot and nothing is really settled. And, or maybe there's health issues or... Then there's the person who is um, single because um, they've lost a loved one. Um, Sue was talking with a person a couple weeks ago who was older, older than me. So, um, And they talked about um, going to church. And they normally go to church with a person they pick up and bring. And, but just how difficult it is to go to church, to come to this church. But it's not because we don't love that person. Some of you don't care, but there's just a... A loneliness that's there with that kind of singleness and trying to figure it out and am I still useful in the kingdom and how will God work for his glory and all that's part of, of, of the why somebody could be single because they lost their, their loved one. Um, divorce we talked about. I'm not suggesting this is true for you but sometimes people are single because they're under the discipline of God. Um, we get disciplined when we aren't walking the way we should or, or uh, we're disobedient to God and he brings discipline on us. And, and sometimes the Lord's like, well, you know what? We're going to have to get this right before we can move forward. Um, and so maybe you're having a bit of a spiritual time out because of things that you harbor in your heart. We're going to look at some of those in a minute. And, uh, and maybe that's why. Hebrews 12, 7 to 11 says, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? 
If you are left without discipline, in which, you, which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I am not, 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 I am not saying that you are necessarily single because you're under the discipline of God. But you might be. And so examine that and make sure you're right with the Lord. And, and if there's a pruning that happens, then allow the pruning that happens to be used for, for the glory of God. Okay, here's the next thing. The reality of singleness is hard. It's hard. This is where I, I, I struggled in relating to this because it's not my story. But it is hard. I know it's hard. But being married isn't easy either. It's just a different kind of hard. Um, on this earth, it's going to be hard. Um, that's the way it is. That's, that's part of the fall. That's part of the curse. Uh, we have to work. And, and we have to work hard at things. Uh, because singleness, along with everyone else, but singleness, it's, it's hard. And so um, I wrote down seven inherent risks when you're single. There's maybe more. Um, there probably are more. But here's seven that I wrote down that you need to consider. Um, things that make it hard. Number one, unaccountable time unaccountable time. Uh, you have uh, time when uh, you're by yourself. You have time when the devil can just be working on your mind. You have time when um, you can be involved in things electronically or what, and nobody else knows about them. And that's a risk and it's hard. And so you need to have accountability built in to your life to offset that risk. Now, getting married doesn't solve that using porn as the illustration. There are all kinds of men, all kinds of women who are in their marriage who struggle with all of these same things. But at least there's the opportunity for an accountable relationship in there that you just don't have that. It's a risk that you have. And so you need to get that accountability built in. A Sue can open my computer, take my phone, look at the history. Anytime she wants, I leave it laying out so she can have it. I, that's an accountability um, there are guys on our staff who know the password to my computer, and especially when Chris was here before, but they would take my computer and go and do stuff with it. See, I'd have, I have to have people, because if I turn on my computer and it works, it's great, but if it doesn't, I have to have people, right? So I have these people who can help me, but they have access to everything that was on my computer. Um, and just, so just as I need to have that accountability, the risk is different when you're single because you have this unaccountable time, and you need to make sure you build into that people that you have accountability with. That's a risk. It's a risk for sure. Uh, the, the risk to temptation. Um, alone time, outside of for very specific periods of time for fasting or study or whatever, typically doesn't lead to good stuff. And temptation comes, and the opportunities for sin come, and that's a different risk. You have unaccountable time, you have temptation. But here's another one, it's a little more subtle, um, dissatisfaction. 
I'm not satisfied, God, with the way you're doing it. So you're not really just dissatisfied with your situation, but behind that, you're really saying, Lord, you've messed this thing up. This was not my plan. When I was getting ready to go off to university, this was my plan, and this was going to happen. I was going to meet Mr. or Mrs. Wonderful, and, and we were going to get married and live happily ever after. And, and the gift that you have right now, the opportunity you have right now, you view more as a curse. And so dissatisfaction is a risk. Paul says in Philippians 4.11, remembering he's single, however he ended up single, he's single as he's writing this, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content, to be content. Now, specifically in the book of Philippians, he's, it's really kind of a donor's letter to the people who had supported him, because when, I, when it's riches, when it's not riches, I'm learned, I've learned to be content. Um, and so if you're single, have you learned to be content? Be satisfied in what God has done. Kind of coming out of that one, another risk is bitterness. See, if dissatisfaction really says, God, you are not enough, bitterness also says, God, you're not enough. You dropped the ball on this. I am ticked off at you. I want more, and you're not coming through. And a root of bitterness can grow up in you. Hebrews 12, 12 to 15 says, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone, for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many can be defiled. There's a risk of bitterness. Here's another risk. The risk of saying, I must have failed. And the point is, watch out for the lies of Satan. Don't believe the lies. And the risk is that you find yourself believing the lies that come from Satan, the lies that says that God has failed me, that I'm a second-class citizen, that I'm really not that loved by God, that lies, 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 lies. Don't believe the lies. It's a risk. It's a risk. Here's another one. Number six, don't settle. Don't settle. If God has someone for you, don't marry anyone. Marry the right one. Don't marry anyone. You get a little bit further along and you get to be in your late 20s, early 30s and it's just like, if there's somebody breathing that comes along, I'm just taking that hold of that and I'm going to go on with my life. And No! We're going to talk about some, some things that come out of it and marry the right one. Don't marry anyone. Now be realistic. If Sue was waiting for the perfect Prince Charming to come along, she'd still be waiting. Okay? Um, but don't settle. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. What would he have? What's the priority God has in this? And don't settle. And then the seventh risk that I put down is lonely or loneliness. Paul felt lonely from times. He says, no one is with me. And Jesus felt lonely when he was in the garden. Um, can you not even watch with me for an hour to pray for him? And he's, like, he's crying out to the Lord, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he understood what loneliness is. Um, 
And loneliness is a reality that I believe is true uh, for single people. It's not just true for single people. We'll see that in a minute. Um, Being lonely is not a function of being single. People in a bad marriage can feel very, very lonely. Um, I know couples that, yeah, they're married, but they're so lonely. They don't communicate with each other. They don't spend time talking with each other. They, they do things separate from each other. They, they're basically roommates is what they are. And, and there's a loneliness there, right? So it's not, being, being married doesn't solve the problem of being lonely if your marriage isn't right before the Lord and doesn't honor the Lord. And, and so uh, what's, how do we solve the problem of loneliness? Well, you know, the Sunday school answer is, well, Jesus. Jesus. Have fellowship with Jesus. Right? And that's 100% true. It's 100% true for everyone in the room. Um, you need to go back and find that source, that source of fellowship in your relationship with Jesus Christ. But then you have to have fellowship with one another. That's doing life together. Primarily for me, that's with Sue. Primarily that's the way it is. Uh, for you, it won't be necessarily with that one person, but you need to have those people. I have people outside of Sue, but it's primary here. And so that fellowship in Christ, and you have to have good friends and good Christian people that you, you hang out with, that free time you have, that opportunity that others don't have, you need to, you need to make sure that you have some of that that's filled. And, and you allow that fellowship with other people to meet some of that need that you have. Um, okay, well, here's the, um, here's the next thing. Because that's kind of all, it might almost seem like that's all the bad news. Um, it's not bad news. This is a gift from God. This is a gift from God. And so reality singleness, it's filled with amazing opportunities. It's filled with amazing Opportunities. Back into First uh, Corinthians chapter seven. I'm going to reread some of those verses. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. His interests are divided, and the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit, but the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this to your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your individual devotion um, to the Lord. So here's a few things you can take out of this. Um, First of all, being single can lighten or simplify the burden of life that you carry. I am a burden of life to Sue. Bigger than you know. The marriage relationship adds a burden. (laughs) Believe me. Well, I'll say it. I think she would say it. It's a wonderful thing. Would you say that? Thank you. (laughs) That makes it easier to finish. But it's a burden. There's responsibilities. There's a load that comes with it. There's caring that has to be. All of that, it's a burden. 
And I realize maybe you're sitting here going, I would love to have the burden. I get it. I get it. But understand that it is that. It's a burden. And it's a burden that you don't, you don't have to bear. You don't have to deal with the conflicts of a spouse or the compounded loneliness of a, of a spouse who's not caring for you like you hope they would. They're not, they're not delivering on what you thought was going to be that wonderful a package you were going to have in, in your marriage. And... Um, you're just you're caught up in trying to meet their needs and do the things. It's not wrong. It's wrong. It's a good thing. But the gift of singleness, you don't have that to deal with. Um, you don't have to worry about these unfilled expectations or the increased responsibilities that come from being married and kids and extended families. And um, you don't have that. And so it gives you an amazing opportunity. This for me is where I really wanted to get to as you think about your singleness, wherever you are in that scheme of things and what your singleness looks like and the opportunities you have. The opportunities you have. I've kind of put them under three um, M's, um, but before we get to those, but think about it this way. Uh, you have increased margin. You have increased margin in your life. Um, now, when you're, when you're struggling in loneliness, you don't want margin, you want less margin, and I get the tension of that, but you have margin in your life to do things. When I leave the office, I'm going home. Why? Because I have a wife who's there. Please don't walk out of here going, Paul and Sue are having troubles, Paul and Sue are having troubles. I mean, it's an illustration. I don't have that margin. I can't just decide, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go and uh, go downtown, get on the ferry, go over to Center Island and spend a couple hours there with a couple friends and then come home and try and explain to my wife where I've been for the last four hours. <laughs> that margin is gone out of my life. Wonderfully gone, but it's gone. And I have that margin. You have margin in all kinds of things. Um, increased spontaneity. That illustration I just used, I just can't do that. Um, you might uh, be investing in some things and you want to invest in some other things and so long as I don't dishonor the Lord, you can just go ahead and do it. It's not going to be a good day for me the day I come home from work and say, Sue, I phoned the real estate agent, we're putting a for sale sign on the front lawn and we're going to move. She'd be like, yeah, you might be moving. <laughs> right? So you have opportunity and spontaneity to, to do some things that you don't have when you're when you're married, increased investment, increased investment. Here's what I want to give you three M's. Increased investment in three things. In ministry. In ministry. Uh, when you're married and you have a spouse to care for and lovingly care for and, and then kids come along, your, your opportunities for ministry, the number of hours that there are, the opportunities for them, it just shrinks right down. But you have an opportunity to get involved in things in the church and be involved in ministries outside of the church. And um, God gives you that as part of the gift that you have. You have um, opportunities with your money. Um, that's the second M, where you can take and invest and you can use the funds as before God, you see fit. And um, that's a great thing. That's a blessing that you have. And uh, you need to see it as a gift from the Lord. And then uh, the last one is missions. 
Um, you have gre- increased investment in missions, an opportunity to go on a trip to Greece or to go to Haiti or to go to... Uh, you don't even have to ask for support because maybe you can support the whole thing yourself. But you have, you have this opportunity that a married person doesn't have in the same way. They use the illustration of uh, Trisha and Sag and them going. And he's going to take time off work to take care of the kids. And you got to believe there was a lot of discussion that went on in their home and a lot of back and forth trying to figure out how this will all work and can it work and should we even do it and all the rest of it. But, but you would have an opportunity to go and do that because this is what you have before you in this opportunity that you have right now with an opportunity to see increased blessing in your life. What an amazing work that God has done and that he will do. And, and now I want to give you a word of warning in this area. Now, whether it's about ministry or money or missions, um, availability and opportunity are not the same thing. Right? I think sometimes, and this is something the church needs to be careful of, when you, well, well, they're single. They got all kinds of time. Let's just ask them. Well, let's just ask them. Well, let's just ask them. And, and you don't want to be going, well, they're single, so we're not going to ask them. So, you know, there's a tension that goes on there. But as, as a single person, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right? And you need to think about the priorities and you need to think about the, but think about it in the context of how God could use you and this amazing opportunity. And is this, is, is this my opportunity? Is this what God would have for me? You don't have to say yes to everything because you're single and you feel some different kind of pressure, but rather taking a look at them and considering those things and praying over those things and asking God to uh, direct you um, in those things. Look carefully then how you walk, Ephesians 5, 15 to 17 says, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And understanding what God would have you to do, understanding the gifts he's given you, understanding the priorities you have, use those things for the glory of God and use them well. Okay, well, here's the last thing. The reality of singleness Your purpose, your purpose in life is exactly the same as every other follower of Jesus Christ. Your purpose in life is exactly the same as every other follower of Jesus Christ. You're not less, you're not more, it's just different. But your purpose, your purpose is the same. We talked about this the last uh, two weeks ago, and uh, I read from Colossians 3, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The purpose stadium of our church is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission and the spirit of the Great Commandment. One purpose, one purpose for every follower of Jesus Christ in the room, and that's to bring glory to God through our lives. Examining the work of God in his creation and in his attributes and in his working in your salvation and in your sanctification and looking forward to going to be with him for eternity. What's my purpose? My purpose is to glorify God. So if you're here today and you're single, your purpose is exactly the same as my purpose. And that's that we be people of God who would glorify God. Uh, two weeks ago, I talked about the quote from uh, Piper. I'm going to go back up on the screen. And um, I think, there we go. God is most glorified in us 
when we are most satisfied in him. So how's your satisfaction in the gift that God has given you? Because God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Well, so what? So what? You know, there's an act of our will that's involved. And again, whether you're saved and whether you're married or not married, um, there's an act of your will. And the things you've heard, some of those might be difficult things to hear. I hope there's some things you've heard today that have been encouraging things that you've heard and some balance maybe in some things that you have thought. And coming back to, I choose to obey God. Whatever, wherever he leads me, I'm going to obey him. But I'm going to make a choice to be satisfied with the life that he's given me. I'm not going to look for something that God hasn't given me right now. If he gives it to me, that's fine. I can pray for it, but I'm going to be satisfied. I'm going to be disciplined to be satisfied in what God has given me now. I'm going to be thankful for all that he's done and how he's working. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. I used the illustration a number of years ago. Uh, Pastor Earl, who was here last week, used the illustration of the rope, and the last part of it had red tape around it, and then the rest of it was the eternity, right? Living for the glory of God. Not living for this little red part, but living for the rest of what God has called us to. And so whether you're married or you're not, we've got to get our eyes off of this so much and get our eyes onto what does this mean and being satisfied in who God is and what he's called us to is all a very, very important part for us. Live for the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's coming according to Revelation. Live for the well done, my good and faithful servant. Live for Psalm 23, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 7, so he talks about, and he does this kind of dance in 1 Corinthians 7 about married people, and that's a great thing, and if you need to get married, get married, and if you don't need to get married or you're not married, don't worry about that and all the rest, but tucked in the middle of that chapter. This is the verse for all of us, but it's a verse for you if you're single today. I'm going to put it up on the screen. It says, um, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him. Ding, ding, ding. Right? Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. If you don't have a life first, that'd be a great life first. Let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned. If you're married, you have a gift. Live out that gift for the glory of God. If you're single, whatever your circumstance, if you're single, it's a gift that comes from God. He will work through it and use it for his glory. Allow God to do that working for his fame. Let's stand together. And as we stand, I'm going to close in prayer. While I'm praying, the band is going to come out and they're going to sing a song over us that has great implications, great depth in it. And watch the words, if you know it, sing along with them. But... Um, as we consider what we've heard today, allow God to work in you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the challenge of it. Lord, it should stir us. And if it stirs us to resentment or anger or bitterness or frustration, then Lord, would we call out to you 
And, and where, is, where is what I'm thinking offside? Where is why, Lord, is this righteous what I have? Why am I struggling so much with this? And Lord, if we need to repent about something, then Lord, bring us to that. Bring us to the place of confession and repentance and a fresh desire, satisfied in you, content in you for how you will work and how you'll do it for your glory. Father, none of us has it totally figured out. We want to be children under your care, led by your spirit, working for the fame and the glory of Jesus Christ. Lead us, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.